Uh, take your Bibles to First uh, John chapter two, verses seventeen and eighteen. We're going to look at that a little bit tonight. This evening, I want to speak to you about having the right affections. <clears throat> I know he just said the memory verse a couple times, but uh, I also want to look at verse number 17, in addition to 15 and 16 that we have read. And um, once you're there, so let's go ahead and read that. Verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So as we look at this memory verse um, this month, uh, the focus has been loving God and not this world. That's the whole reason why we have this portion of Scripture. John here is writing to Christians, and he's trying to get them to get the right focus, having the right affection. This is probably one of the hardest things that we can do as Christians, and I'm going to deal with that this evening. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much again for tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would just bless um, the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd use me, Lord, to speak what you want me to speak. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much again for this church. Thank you for those that are here tonight, and I pray that you would, Lord, just bless the hearts and the ears that will be listening. Lord, I pray that you would take away any distraction, Lord, and just that you would speak to us, Lord. Uh, God, we need you. We need you in a mighty way. Um, This world is so so distracting, I guess you could say, Uh, and it pulls our attention. And I pray, God, that you would help us tonight, make sure that we have the right affections. And Lord, I just want to give you all the honor and glory, Lord, whatever is done tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. The main reason why it's difficult is because we still live in the world. Um, all around us, I um, mean, we lived in the world. We were saved out of the world. Um, and so parts of us, the world's still there. There's still a part of us where the world is still within our heart. I mean, you look around the world that we live in, it calls everywhere. I mean, our attention, our affections. I mean, you can't watch TV, you can't go for a walk. I mean, there's billboards, there's advertisements, there's everything everywhere pulling and trying and demanding our attention. Look at this. Look what we have on sale. Look what we have on offer. Uh, buy this. Um, and so everywhere that we're around is pulling us, trying to get our attention, trying to distract us. Um, I don't know, have you guys ever tried walking a really big dog? <laughs> and uh, especially when that dog sees a cat and uh, begins to chase after it. Um, you'll understand what it means to be pulled after that. And uh, just like this poor lady here, um, sometimes the lust that we have around us, and now lust doesn't always just mean uh, a sexual desire. A lust is a strong desire. That's all it is, a strong desire. A lot of times it is stuff that is that is sensual, that is sexual, but 
there's actually a lot more lust as we read about and as we're learning about uh, this month. Uh, if you look at verse number 16, it says the lust of the flesh and the lust of the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not from of the Father, but it's of the world. So this world offers these, these strong desires, these strong pulls. And, and sometimes as we're trying to just live our lives as a good Christian, I mean, we're just trying to mind our own business, do what we, we're just trying to serve the Lord, and, and we start getting pulled by those different things, those different lusts that, uh, that come upon us. Uh, because we are of the, of the world, the, our, and we still have our flesh, our flesh likes to pull us a lot. Uh, you see, our flesh still remembers the world. It remembers and longs for the things that you used to do, the things that pleased it. Uh, I mean, you know, there's maybe some things in your past that you have put to, to put to death. You know, there's you, you, the the old memories, the old, um, you know, maybe you had issues with alcohol or smoking and things like that. And I don't know, but sometimes uh, you just be just going about business, and all of a sudden you start getting those memories again. Oh man, that that really felt good. Oh yeah, I remember that time I was out with the boys of the lads. Oh, yeah, I remember that time, and oh, I used to love doing that. That's our flesh bringing those back up. It's those lusts that our, our flesh still has, and, and, uh, and if we're not careful, and we don't, if we don't keep those under control, we will do the lust that our flesh remembers. You see, our love should first and foremost be upon God. I mean, there is so many distractions out here. Uh, in our lives today, I mean, there is distractions everywhere. And our love for God can be focused among other things. I mean, we can waste so much time on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube, shopping. Uh, there's so much that the world offers that distracts us and pulls us. And we can spend far more time on these things than actually with God. And pretty soon, our attention, our affection becomes on these things, and God kind of gets brushed to the side. He kind of gets, you know, low priority in our lives. And these become the preeminence. Oh, I got to see who liked my picture. You know, I got to see, you know, uh, that new video that, that uh, they just put on Facebook. Now, Facebook, there are some good things with Facebook. I'm not against Facebook. I have an account, <laughs> you know, but... It can become a time consumer. It can become where that is all your life is. You know, and sometimes that's how we keep in touch with families, things like that. Um, but it can take a lot of our time away. The danger is when we begin to put these things above God. And that's when we start having the wrong affections. You see, in the Old Testament, Israel constantly battled with this problem. I mean, the book of Judges is just, it's a roller coaster. You know, uh, they begin following the Lord, and when everything is going great, then they said, eh, we're going to go after this God now. And we're going to go after this and that. And they turned their back on God. And so God had to allow chastisement to get their attention, and, and he'd oftentimes bring in other uh, nations and other armies, and they would subdue the Israelites, and Israel would repent, and get their hearts right with God, and God would bring a judge and bring a deliverer, and, and um, you know, and things would go great again. 
and basically rinse and repeat. And But how often are you and I the same way? I mean, when things are going great, things are going uh, just absolutely perfect in our life, you know, it starts our things start to become more easily distracting to us because things are going so good. But the times that really things aren't going the greatest, usually that's when we put our focus and our attention most on God, isn't it? Because it's then that we know that, man, I need God. Because if I don't have God, I don't have anything. See, we're just like the Israelites. You know, we, we have our ups and downs. We have our valleys. And, um, but tonight, we want, I want to, to look at how we can have the right affections. You see, and, uh, turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, uh, to 2 Timothy. Keep your place here for a couple seconds. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I mean, this is probably one of the most tragic verses in Scripture. Verse number uh, 10 says this, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia and Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, Crescens and Titus, I don't think, left because they loved the present world. They were just also people who had left Paul. But here, Paul is, is really highlighting on Demas. You see, there's other letters that Paul wrote that said Demas sends his greetings. You see, Demas traveled with Paul. He heard Paul preach. He heard uh, the great things that, that Paul uh, spoke, and he saw people get saved. He saw churches get started. And yet, even Demas lost his affection. He lost his affection on following God. Maybe, you know, because of all the great things, he allowed that, uh, that sensational to, to be a part of, and, and that was his spirituality. He really didn't have a relationship with God. Or he allowed that relationship with God to cool. And when the poles and the lusts of the, the world came in, the lust of the, fly, the, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and when those started to pull at him, he began to go that way. And he turned his back on Paul because he loved the present world. Maybe the things of his past pulled on him. He said, you know what? I remember how things used to be. I'd rather go and do those instead. It's very easy for us to be able to do that, though. How many Christians today who have turned their back on God because they have loved this present world? Because, can I be honest with you? Being a Christian is not exactly the easiest thing to be. It does take difficulty sometimes. When we, when we face persecution from our friends, from our family, uh, when people uh, make fun of you and, and put you down, it's pretty easy to quit. It's very easy to quit. But when those times happen and you feel like just throwing in the towel, just remember, Jesus never quit on you. He went to the cross every step. He walked every step. He wasn't carried. He didn't fall. He walked every step for you. He has not forsaken you. He's there for you. And when you start feeling that those pressures come, that's when we need to, to draw closer to God. So how can we have the right affections and not lose our focus? And that's what I want to deal with you, uh, with tonight. Um, 
Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The first thing I want to share with you tonight is that the things of this world are not eternal. I mean, everything that you look and see around you is going to be gone one day. I mean, this building, uh, everything around us is going to be gone. Um, it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but one day, everything that we see around us will be gone. Um, I mean, if you were to look at the pictures of Ballancolig a hundred years ago, you wouldn't be even recognize this place from what it used to be. I mean, I've seen the pictures when they have them down on, like on uh, um, Quinn's, I think it's a Quinn Super Value down there, um, or is that the right one? Anyway, um, you know, you go down there sometimes, they have the, the pictures of how Ballancolig used to look, and I looked at those and I'm like, I just can't see that. I mean, I mean, it just doesn't look the same town at all. I mean, if, if people were to, uh, 100 years ago, were to see Ballancolig and somehow be able to see what Ballancolig would become, they would probably say, it's not even the same place. I mean, you know, even, even the last four years that we have been here, Ballancolig has changed. I mean, we've got the Tesco that's in here now. We've got McDonald's. Um, I mean, things have changed even in the last four years that we have been here. Uh, the fields and things like that, those areas got bulldozered and things built into them. Um, so things change. I mean, right now, <laughs> uh, we live pretty much in, in the shadow, so to speak, of Blarney Castle. Uh, and, the, and a lot of people come to this area because they want to see Blarney Castle, don't they? All it is is a bunch of ruins that are falling apart, even now. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. It's just a ruin. I mean, back in those days when Blarney Castle was built, they probably thought, oh, this is going to last forever. I mean, this place is going to, uh, you know, at their, at their time in their life, they couldn't see what was going to happen. But this castle used to be bustling with people. I mean, they would have uh, great banquets and servants and, and guards and all this kind of stuff. This was their life. And now it's all passed away. All it is now is just something in the, te- in the history books. What used to be. What has been. And we, I mean, you go for a drive anywhere pretty much in Ireland, you see landmarks like that all over Ireland. Castles and abbeys and churches and Things like that that at one time were thriving, bustling places. And now they're nothing more than ruins. You see, the things that that we hold for granted today, they're not going to last. They're going to perish. Everything's going to perish. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number 19. Verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus here is explaining 
that we're not supposed to lay up treasures upon this earth, but we're supposed to lay up treasures in heaven. Now, what does that mean? What are these treasures that that uh, Jesus is speaking about? Um, can I be honest with you? When treasure, when I first think of treasure, I think of immediately money. You know, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. You know, you get the treasure chests, and they're bursting full of gold and rubies and jewels and and uh, all these different things. That's what I first think of when I look at treasures. But I really, I don't, I don't think that's what it just means, just your money. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. Our treasures are more than just our finances. Uh, though our treasures and what we spend and what we do with our money is important, that isn't the sole thing that Jesus is even talking about. I believe our treasures are also our time and our talents. You see, the most valuable thing that you have is your time. Because it's the one thing that you can never get back. You can't buy more time. You cannot regain. You can't, you know, you can't set your, your, uh, your phone back another hour and say, oh, I just gained another time. It doesn't work that way. Now, maybe if you travel, you know, east or travel west for, you might gain a few hours that way, but that's about it. Uh, either way, you're still not ever going to be able to regain that time that is of your life. And the, the thing is, is that no one in here has an idea of how much time we actually have in our life. You know what? I have no idea when, when my life will be over. I have no idea. No one in here does. Uh, it could be tomorrow. Um, you know, we could breathe our last breath tomorrow and our time would be all over. That's it. No warning. No announcement. This is it. We would have no second chances. Our dime would be over and done. You see, Jesus could even return and call us home, and our time here would be over. This is all we have right now. This is all that we have for our life. What you do with your time what you do with your life now is the most important thing that you can do for God. What you do with it now is, the, I believe, the treasures that Jesus is talking about. What you do with your life. There's a lot of people out there wasting their life on the, the pleasures of this world. And when they die and they stand before God, and uh, if they're a Christian at the judgment seat of Christ and Christ judges them for all they've done for Him. And there's going to be some people who have very little because they only live for themselves. They didn't live for Christ. They, only, they cared more about the pleasures of this world, the lust of the flesh, than they cared about the things of God. And so they didn't lay up those treasures that Jesus was talking about. Um what kind of really got me on this thought that really kind of spoke to my heart um, a couple weeks ago, it was actually when, uh, when I uh, became ill and uh, was gone for a few days. Um, our neighbor, we were driving by our, in, in our little state there, and our neighbor, the, he had, when, when we were here, his wife had just died like a couple months before we arrived in Ireland. And so he, he was an older gentleman, and he just became kind of like a hermit to a degree. 
and uh, very recluse. I mean, I did see him out and about every once in a while, but never spoke to anybody, just, just kept to himself. He was really heartbroken. Well, anyway, I think it was last year, he ended up passing away as well. And so his house was up for sale for the longest time. And um, I think it was earlier this year we noticed that uh, it had been sold. And so when we were uh, coming home, we had noticed that somebody was doing quite a bit of renovation at our neighbor's house. And, um, and our neighbor, his front garden, I mean, was really beautiful. He had some really awesome trees that were all planted. He had a really nice front garden. He took care of his garden very well. I mean, he took care of it immaculately. And, um, and when we were coming back, all those trees, everything in his, his garden was being bulldozed over, was being pulled out with dozers. I mean, everything that he had invested all of his time, his money into, was being dozed over, destroyed, obliterated. And I looked at that and it reminded me that, you know what? A lot of things that I put my time into, that I invest myself into, they're not going to last. And when I die, they're not going to go on, and but someone else is going to inherit it. And they probably will just end up bulldozing it over and doing what they want to do with it. And I mean, they have completely gutted the entire house. I mean, they are doing a lot of work, and it's still under work, but I mean, they're just completely changing everything. And that man's life was into his house. I mean, I don't know what it looked like in the inside. I have no idea. It could have been really bad. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm saying that was his life. You know, what if, what if um, you know, you were to pass away and, and someone just went through all your stuff and said, oh, eh, just toss this. To you, it was treasures, wasn't it? But to other people, oh, this is just a bunch of junk. And that could have been the same thing in that person's house. Who knows? The thing is, though, is that the things that we love the most sometimes are really not the treasures that God has. They are the things that get eaten by moths, that rust corrupts, and thieves break through and steal. A lot of those times, that's the things that we invest our treasures into. But if you were to die tomorrow, would you have any treasure stored up in heaven? If today was your last day on earth and the Lord called you home tomorrow, would you have any treasures? Have you served the Lord at all? What would your legacy be? What would they say at your funeral? Would they say, oh, you know, we know that he put God, God was his affection, God was the, the, the sole desire of his life. He loved reading the Bible. He loved spending time at church. Uh, that was his life. Or would people even know that you're a Christian? Oh, you're that you're, you're church they go to once a week? They didn't really talk too much about it. You know, They didn't really say anything about God. He was a Christian? Really? Would they say that at your funeral? I hope not. Would your legacy be that you had the top scores in the video game? You know, can I tell you, there's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be someone that's going to beat your high score. You may think that you're the best, but can I just be honest with you? 
the reason why there's ranks and there's there's scores is for them to be beaten. I mean, you look at all the professional sports and they have records for everything, you know. And um, every sport player desires to be able to break those records because they want their name to be known for the rest of uh, the rest of their generation and beyond their lifetime. <clears throat> they want to break these records because that's what they attain. They think that's the greatest thing in their life. Now, what about your talents? You see, everyone here has got different talents that you can use to serve God with. What are you doing with them? Are you even investing them in the right treasures? See, there's some things here that, that you can do I just cannot do. I cannot play that piano worth anything. Uh, I'd be lucky to plunk any kind of melody whatsoever. That's not my talent. It's something I'm not good at. But there's some here that can sit at a piano and, and just start playing around and, and come up with a beautiful song. Or they have a talent with music or um, a talent with computers, different things, talent with languages, all these different things. God has given each one of us different talents, but what are we doing with them? Are we using them? Or are they just kind of sitting on a shelf waiting until they benefit us and then we'll use them? God gave them to us so that we could serve Him with. You see, you may be good at a hobby and could really make a lot of good money doing it. But if it's not being done for the Lord, ultimately it's going to be in vain. Everything that we put into our hobbies, if God's not in it, if it's not for the Lord, it's going to burn up in the fire at our judgment. And it's just going to be a waste of time. Now, having hobbies is not bad. But when they consume all of your time and make it so you just don't have time to serve the Lord, then it becomes an idol in your life and you need to cast it down. Uh... I'll be honest with you, when I was studying and going through this message, this thing beat me up a lot. So I've, I've been beaten up too much more than uh, I think I could, you guys have tonight. So uh, uh, this one hurt me more than anything, just to be honest with you. When we put our hobbies above God, that's when, um, honestly, that's when a lot of the trials come in our life. Because... God's still trying to get our attention, saying, you who I'm still over here, you know, and those hobbies really are not going to benefit us in the long run. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. You're ready to go just a little bit. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, where your treasures are, that's where your heart is, and that's where your affection's at. You know, people can tell what you like by what you spend time doing. I mean, if you're out going out to the sports and going out to the uh, the matches all the time, people pretty well deduct, oh, he likes sports, <laughs> you know? Oh, you know, people like to go out to cinema all the time. Oh, they like to go see the cinema. They like to go see the movies and things like that. And the things that you spend your time at, people can tell what you like, you know? Um, so what we do and what we, our affections are is pretty evident. You know, honestly, I wonder why some of our church family do not come on Sunday nights. I mean, you know, we have wonderful uh, crowds in the, on Sunday morning, but I wonder sometimes why don't they come Sunday night? 
Why don't they come Wednesday night? What is more important than being in the house of God? Now, I understand that there's children and there's families and things like that or uh, distances to be traveled. I completely understand that. I understand that sometimes there's things that just take priority and they just can't come. But what about those who should be here? You know, um, God doesn't say it's okay just to give, just to come serve me one time a week. You know, when he went to the disciples, he found them twice in the Sunday, didn't he? He appeared to them twice, both in the morning and the evening. But I wonder, for those who don't really travel a great distance, what's your excuse? What is more, what has got a higher priority in your life than God? Is it a match? Is it a program on TV? Honestly, if you're that dead set about having to watch a game or watch a show, record it. They have that technology nowadays. <laughs> or catch it tomorrow online or something like that. I mean, honestly, there really shouldn't be anything that's more important than God. We really need to make our time and make sure that God knows, you know what, you're our first priority. And God blesses that. Look at Matthew chapter or 6, but verse number 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve the world and you can't serve God at the same time. You can't ride a fence. You can't live your life saying, oh, I'm going to serve God this this day, and uh, I'm going to serve myself and do what I want to do this next day. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way. And the more you try to ride your ride the fence, pretty soon you're going to fall one way or the other. And usually, most people don't fall the right way. And then when they when they do the falling, it actually comes at a great price. And usually, they never recover from it. When you ride the fence. All it does is show that you have no commitment. That your commitment isn't with God. That you can't decide what you want to do. What's more important in your life. Because you either love the one and despise the other. You know, we our affection is either on God or it's the lust of the world, the lust of the flesh, and the, what we allow our attention and our affection to be. Next thing, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Not only are things of this world not eternal, but you and I are dead to this world. You and I are dead to this world. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Now we all know that uh, verse 2 is Eric's life verse and the verse he loves the most. Well, look at number 1. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see, Paul writes some very convicting words. 
says, if then, if ye then be risen with Christ. He's speaking to people who claim to be born again Christians. And if you are, then he gives you a prescription of one way that we're supposed to live as Christians. So, but what does it mean to set our affection on something, as he says here, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth? Uh, those of you who are married or have been married or have uh, courted or fallen in love, all these different things, um, remember when you first were interested in your spouse? Uh, now some, that was a very long time ago, and that is great. It really is. Um, but remember when you, when you started wanting to get to know them? I mean, you would write letters. You would talk on the phone. You would go out on dates, um, you know, et cetera, and et cetera, and different things. You were wanting to get to know that person and enjoyed the pursuit, didn't you? I mean, you wanted to know more about that person. You want to know what they liked, what they didn't like. You know, you want to spend time with them. That's setting your affection on something. You, you, it becomes your pursuit. You want to get to know something better. Now, with that mentality and thinking, focus that upon God. What did you want to do the most when you were, co- when you were courting your spouse or are interested in someone? You, <laughs> you guys probably wouldn't know, but anyway... Uh, in the back there, but um, you want to spend time with them, didn't you? You didn't care what time of day sometimes, you just wanted to spend some time with that person. I mean, sometimes it was just on the phone, you couldn't be there in person, but you wanted to, to talk to them, you wanted to um, you know, text or message and all those different things. But most importantly, you wanted to spend time with them, didn't you? You wanted to, to, to just to be around them. Same goes with God. You and I need to spend time with God, and He wants to spend time with you. He wants to. He wants to be with us. He want, Yes, He's inside of us. Yes, I know all that. But what I mean is, is He wants you to have a walk with Him. He wants you to have a time in your day that you just spend with Him. I mean, if you decided to pull away from your spouse for a few days or a few weeks, I mean, you completely isolate yourself from your, from your spouse, your relationship would begin to fizzle, wouldn't it? I mean, everything that, I mean, you would begin to grow distant, you would begin to grow cold, you would begin to wonder, what I do? What happened? What's going on? You know, and, you, and your thoughts would start thinking, is there some, something else going on I don't know about? And those fears and those worries and that, and would begin to start creeping in to our hearts. And the same thing happens when uh, we pull away from God and we stop coming to church and we stop reading our, uh, our Bibles and we stop spending time in prayer. I think God begins to wonder, what's going on? What happened? Our relationship isn't like it used to be. What's, what has come between it? What has happened? The fact of the matter is, you need to spend time together. And that counts for all spouses. You need to spend time together. You need that fellowship. I mean, just being in each other's presence and spending that time together, I mean, you may not have to have a whole huge conversation, but just having that time where you're together renews and and, uh, encourages you with that relationship. The things that you enjoy and cherish the most 
are what you devote your time and your money to. You know, God would like to be included in that affection. If not the number one affection in your life. Honestly, what people desire the most, they're going to put their money into it. They're going to put their time into it. That becomes their focus. That becomes their thing. I mean, you know, people will say, I, don't have, I, I just don't have money. I don't have money to tithe. I don't have money to, uh, to, to give towards the Lord. And yet they'll catch every match on the TV. You know, they'll record everything or they'll make time to go up to uh, the different matches around uh, Dublin because they want to see their team play. Or they'll go out to restaurants all the time because that's just what they want to do. Or they want to go and see all the movies and say, oh, that's a higher affection for me than what God can do with my money. See, I think the big thing is because we want to do what we want to do. And honestly, when, when we give to the Lord, it doesn't really sometimes impact us directly all the time. You know, and that's where our faith goes in. You know, when we put the money in the box, it becomes God's. He then now controls it. And sometimes that's hard for us because we like to control what everything happens in our life and where all our finances go. And that's what faith is. You know, um, and that's why it's important because God instituted tithing for you and I because He knows how much we want and we don't let go. We want that control. And when we tithe and we put God first, we're letting Him have control. And that's very hard for you and I to be able to do. It takes faith to trust God, saying, God, I really don't have this this month, but this is what you've commanded me and this is what you told me that I have to do. That this is what a Christian should do. I'm trusting you to take care of me this month. I'm trusting you to take care of me with the 90% that you've given me. Can I ask you, when was the last time that you read your Bible every single day for a month? Not just every single day for a week, but every single day for a month. That takes dedication, doesn't it? Because our lives get so busy, doesn't it? And I mean, there will come distractions. There, Our days will be flipped upside down. And we'll be wondering what in the world happened today. But you still need to make time for God. No matter what, you need to make that time. I ask you, how often have you prayed this month? Or have you even bothered? Have you spent any time in prayer this month with the Lord? And I'm not talking about just over food. A lot of times we think, well, I got that covered. I prayed and said thank you for my meal. Can I be honest with you? That's not really much prayer. When was the last time that you spent with God alone? just in a place, just together, and prayed and poured your heart out. When was the last time? How much time have you spent in prayer this month? How much time have you spent with the Lord? And you wonder sometimes why God is distant. If I didn't talk to Jennifer for a month, she would kind of wonder what's going on, wouldn't she? Things wouldn't really be really close at all. <laughs> they would really be quite cold, wouldn't they? And the same thing happens with, between us and God. You know, we think, well, God, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't you meeting my needs? And we don't spend time with Him. 
And we wonder, well, why is that relationship just not there? Can I be honest with you? It's all on our end. He's there. He's just waiting for you and I to get our priorities, our affections right. Because the Bible says, uh, if, if you draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. That's a promise. That's a promise that he has given us. And so when we make that time and want to draw close to God, God will draw close to you. But oftentimes we don't want to make that time because we have other things in our life that distract us. We have other affections. Can I ask you, um, what about, you know, when you were having a, you know, when you're courting and things like that, what about doing the things, usually you want to do the things that they did, didn't you? Even though you didn't like them one bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, some people like going to the ballet or going to the theater, you know, or different things. And, and some people are like, oh, that's just awful. <laughs> or, you know, they go to the sports matches because they know that's what you like. And they just kind of put up with it, don't they? Because they want to be with you. And they want to like what you like. Same thing happens with God. You know, you and I... Our desire is to really to try and like the things that God likes. Are you interested in what God's interested in? What is God most important, or sorry, what is God most interested in? And that's the salvation of souls and reaching them. That's what's, God, that's what's on God's heart. He's constantly trying to reach people with the gospel, work on people's hearts to draw them to Him. I ask you, when was the last time you talked to anybody about God? Has it been a while? You see, when we became a Christian, our old life and everything that went along with it was crucified with Christ. That included the lusts of this world. Now, they're always going to be there to try to pull at us, but we don't have to listen to them, nor do we have to let ourselves be pulled by them. You see, they lost their power at the cross. The devil no longer can make us sin. Now it's up to us whether or not we choose to sin. We can follow that temptation. We can follow that lust. But it doesn't have to happen every single time. God now gives us the power to overcome these temptations, to overcome these lusts. Now remember, you are dead in Christ. And your life is now hid with Christ. He has given you a whole new possibility of life. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, my life changed. I mean, yeah, it took a while for me to begin to kind of understand uh, what being a Christian was, why I needed to read my Bible, why I need to pray. It took me a while to learn those things because I didn't know anything about that. When I got saved, I knew nothing about the Bible. But as I began to read and see things, my life changed because God made me a new creature. I didn't have to stay like I was. I didn't have to keep doing the same things that I was doing when I was 17. I, when God saved me, he gave me a whole new life, a whole new opportunity to do things for him. To, I mean, he gave me a whole nother life. And the same thing goes for you. You don't have to live in the past anymore. You don't have to let the, the memories and and the things of the past come up and, and ruin your day. You've got a new life now. 
And that life is, first of all, hidden Christ. I ask you, in conclusion, if you were to die tomorrow, would you have any treasures stored up in heaven? Have you served the Lord at all? What would your legacy be? You know, people on, on tombstones, they, they have the different dates, you know, birth date and death date. But what, was, what would be your legacy of that dash in between? What would people say about your life? That it was one that served God or one that served self? What about your talents? What are you doing with them? Are you developing them? Are you trying to use them for the Lord? Are you investing them with the right treasures? I mean, some of you have got skills and abilities that, I'll be honest with you, I am envious of. And I'm jealous of. And there may be some things that I have that you wish you could do. But you know what? I can't keep on saying, oh, I wish I could do that, I wish I could do that. I need to do with what I have and what I can do. I mean, because we could say, oh, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that. And we could say that all day long and do absolutely nothing. But we need to instead go ahead and do what God, and use what God has given us for Him. How is your affection with the Lord and the things He's concerned about? Are you doing what God has a desire for? Are you, is your affection lined up at all with the things that the Lord likes? How's your prayer life and Bible reading going? You know, we're, you know, it's now the later half of the year, and usually, I don't know about you, but beginning of the year, things go great, you know, I'm like, all right, get to start off fresh, you know, here we go, I'm going to read my Bible through this year, and I'm going to, uh, I've got all these goals and things I want to do, and, and uh, we start reading and reading and reading, and things happen, and we stop reading, and we don't get to read as much, and Pretty soon we're looking back and saying, oh, I'm not reaching that goal this year. (laughs) How's your Bible reading going? You know what? It's not too late to get back in. It's never too late for that. Just make time with God. Lastly, remember, you are dead in Christ, and your life is now hid with Christ. He has given you a whole new possibility for life. You don't have to live in the past anymore. God has given you freedom through Christ. Make tomorrow what you want it to be, not what your past dictates. God has given you the freedom to make the right choices, to do the right things. Follow God and let Him direct your paths because He will take you places you never imagined, never dreamed that you'd be able to be able to do. I can testify of that. But when you put Him first, He'll allow you to do great things for Him because He knows that He can use you and because He knows that your heart is lined up with His. Go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Father, I thank You tonight for Your Word. Lord, I know, I know tonight I probably said some hard things. And Lord, I know, first of all, you beat me up a lot when I was preparing this message. Just a whole different bunch of different areas. And Lord, I know if I needed it, I know there's probably someone else in here who needed it as well. And if they didn't, 
it was for me. I thank you for, Lord, just speaking to my heart. And Father, I just pray that you would. Lord, just bless what we heard tonight, Lord. I pray that you'd use it. Lord, help us to develop a stronger relationship with you. Lord, help us to have the right affections, doing the things that, that please you, spending time with you. Lord, you're not just a genie that pops up whenever we need you. Lord, you're our God, you're our Savior. And you want a relationship with us just as much as we want relationships with people around us. And I just pray, God, that you would help each one of us to set our affections right, to have the right priorities in our life, to put you first. And, uh, Lord, I know that you'll bless as you promised, Lord. And I just pray that you would just bless the message that we heard tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.